Well, good morning, everybody. Wonderful. Welcome to Plan A. Uh, <laughs> so today is the first day of our uh, Plan A, two weeks of prayer. Um, and uh, as a church, we're working through um, just a short series over these few weeks on prayer. Um, and so if you were here last, time, last week, Steph uh, spoke on fasting um, and prayer. Um, and this week, we're going to be looking at worship and advance. So each week we're looking at key aspects of prayer um, and just delving in to find out what scripture says about that and how that can teach us and the things that we can learn and then put into practice um, as we gather to pray um, as a church. Um, If you want to turn with me in your Bibles, we're going to be um, in Matthew 6. Um, Just while we jump there, um, I'm going to pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that as we open up your word, Lord, we thank you that it is living and active. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we find, um, Lord, instruction for life. Lord, thank you that we find uh, just incredible revelation of truth. Um, And Lord, we just pray that uh, you would use uh, my words this morning. Um, to really stir our hearts to pray. Lord, to really invest time uh, praising, worshipping you, adoring you, um, Lord. And out of that, we would find such incredible, um, Lord, leadership from you, such incredible directing, Lord, that you would uh, take us, Lord, as a body, as a church, from one degree of glory to another. Lord, we believe that's our destination. And so, Lord, we say we put our confidence and our faith in you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Steph uh, is away in um, South Korea um, at the moment. South Korea. We've got a week for South Korea um, with the guys out there planting a church. Um, and so Steph has been with them over the weekend with a couple of guys. So do, do please continue to lift up um, Steph uh, in prayer as he travels. He's traveling quite a bit um, over these next few months. So be lifting him up, lifting the family up. Um, it's really important that we kind of hold them up um, in prayer as well. Um, And I think very often um, when we come to pray, um, when we come to uh, set aside a time to pray, we often think about prayer um, as as kind of um, almost a a kind of a to-do list, a checklist, a bullet points of things that we want to get done, things that we want to talk about, things that we want to bring to God to make sure that he's aware of. Um, And and I just want to burst any illusions really um god's already aware of those things um uh, and and actually to pray in that manner and that form to be our prayer it can often um it it often is is it, it doesn't fully bring us into all that prayer is meant to be and can be um for us as believers um and yes, there are those times when I mention something like Steph in South Korea and you have like short arrow prayers and you just go, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would really use Steph there. Lord, I pray that your kingdom kind of pray that you would establish a church in South Korea. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But there must also be times of prayer where we set aside a time and we're really going to roll our sleeves up. We're going to get into the tough stuff of prayer and we're really going to seek God and we're going to seek his kingdom come um, and we're going to seek for all that he has for us and press into him for his leadership, for his direction. 
And, 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 and actually those two dynamics of prayer um, are at work throughout our lives. Um, so there will be things that you hear about throughout the week and there will be short arrow prayers and you just fire them up and you just say, Lord, I pray for so-and-so. Lord, I pray they're sick at the moment. I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Done. And there are other times where you set aside time to consciously give yourself to seeking God um, and praying um, with all that you are. And it's interesting, isn't it? Um, we're going to start by looking at the Lord's Prayer um, in Matthew 6. Um, but in the other version of um, the Lord's Prayer, which is found in Luke, um, it's interesting that, that, that it says that Jesus, was, um, Jesus went away to pray. Um, and when he came back, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And there was something about prayer that was incredible. It was mysterious. Um, it, was, it, was, it was the way Jesus prayed made the disciples look on and think, Wow, teach, teach us to do that. Teach us to do that. Um, and so then Jesus did in Matthew 9, and in Luke 9, we're gonna, uh, Luke 11, sorry. And then we're going to jump in at Matthew 6, um, just quickly. The other version, just because it's slightly, uh, it's, it's slightly longer um, in terms of, it's slightly fuller in terms of its explanation. Um, and so we're going to jump in um, at Matthew 6 um, and verse 9. Um, there we are. And so the Lord's Prayer, very, very famous prayer, um, Jesus teaching on prayer. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So then when they say Jesus teaches us to pray, this is what he teaches them. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we see here in the first uh, two verses, verses 9 and 10 really, um, that Jesus begins um, by, by, by teaching them not to come with a list of things to get through, not to come with um, an itemized agenda of the stuff they've got to get done. But he teaches them to come in praise. He teaches them to come and lift God up with their worship, to come in worship before him. The word worship um, just means devotion, to come with devotion before God. I think in Christian circles, worship is often used to mean singing, um, singing is a part of worship, but it definitely isn't the whole thing. Um, in Romans 12, um, Paul encourages us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. This is our spiritual act of worship. Um, that's not singing. Um, that's actually learning self-control and devoting yourself to the Lord. That's why worship is about devotion. Worship is about coming and praising God and putting him at the foremost of our minds, making him the centerpiece of our affections. Um, many people all over the country, they, 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 they travel to worship on a Saturday afternoon at different stadiums across the country, and they worship football. If, if you look at what that looks like in practice, it's an act of devotion to a certain team, to certain players um, that they might win the league, that might get promoted and silverware and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but people do it up and down the country. It's not an alien concept, this idea of worship. It's about devotion. 
And right here at the start of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Your name is set apart. You are beyond compare. That's essentially what this verse means, that you are holy. Your name is to be revered. You, God, are unlike anything else. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom, your rule, your government, your reign, would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to look at... um, It, it's interesting when, it come, when, when Jesus starts talking about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, because as, as, as believers, as those that have given our life to the Lord, as those that have put our trust in Jesus, um, we live in this funny, funny, funny period of history, really, um, where, where, where we know victory in our lives. We know um, that Jesus has come, that he lived a perfect life, that we never could, and he died a perfect death that we never could, and he died in our place for our sin, to take away all of our wrongdoing, to take away all of that shame and that disgrace, and that in doing that, he gave us his righteousness, that he gave us his incredible life, that now, through our trust in him, we can know eternal life. And so in Romans, it talks about us being born again into a new life. That now we live um, not as the world lives. We live not worshipping football, but we live worshipping the Lord. We live worshipping God. And that's where Jesus starts with the Lord's Prayer. And it's this funny period of history because because it's begun. So when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, the new kingdom came in. So, so this idea of the kingdom of God that Jesus repeats throughout his ministry on earth, this idea of the kingdom is established. And yet it finds its conclusion when Jesus returns at the end of time. And, we, and, and then our period of history is between those two things. So we have victory in Christ now. And ultimately we have complete victory when Jesus returns And actually, we live in this period where sometimes we find victory and sometimes we find resistance, right? That's a very normal part of Christian life. The disciples experienced it. We'll have a look at an example in a little bit um, where where, where we give ourselves in devotion, but we meet some sort of resistance. We think you're taking a stand for righteousness and and, and truth and you're standing up against somebody, um, perhaps in your workplace, um, and yet you're met with this resistance and you're trying to reconcile the two. It's what the theologians call the now and not yet, that we live in a period of now. Um, and, and, and occasionally God breaks in um, and, and, and brings about healing and, and brings about miracles and turns situations around. Um, even testimonies this week of God just turning conversations around at work. There's nothing that's happened, but something's happened in somebody's heart. God's changed somebody's heart and the situation's changed. And, and other times where you're, you're, you're living under kind of this sort of resistance for, for months. You, you feel like you're battling something for months, sometimes even years. It's this now and not yet idea that we have to hold um, intention um, together. But Jesus tell, teaches us right at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer that we should begin by fixing our eyes on him. We should begin um, by de- praising him, by declaring his great uh, glory. 
in, uh, we're going to look at a few examples um, of different prayers throughout Scripture. Um, and so the first one, they'll come up behind me. And the first one is a prayer by a guy called Hezekiah um, in 2 Kings 19. Um, there we go. Um, from verses 15 to 19. Um, and oh, I've got it here, one sec. Uh, 2 Kings uh, 19. There we are. Um, and we go 15. Um, and, and essentially what's happened is um, the Assyrians have been um, oppressing uh, God's people. Um, and Hezekiah catches word of this from a messenger. Um, and this is the prayer that he prays. Um, and Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of uh, Sennacherib, um, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste. And he goes on and on and on and on. But the important thing is at the beginning of the prayer, what does he pray? O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. He's made no mention of the situation. He's no, made no mention of the Assyrian oppression. He's no, made no mention of God bringing about salvation. He begins with praise. He begins with worship. He begins by saying, God, you take the, the, the primary place. You are enthroned above the cherubim. You are sovereign. You are Lord of all. We then turn to uh, Nehemiah, another prayer. So Nehemiah has been taken into captivity. Um, he's cut bearer to the king. Um, and, and, and word comes to Nehemiah um, that, he, that, that Jerusalem has been laid to waste. The, the walls have been destroyed. The place has been burned with fire. Um, and uh, this is what happens right at the start of the book of Nehemiah um, in chapter 1. Uh, we'll, jump in, uh, we'll jump in at the end of verse 3. He um, says, The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the Lord, before the God of heaven. And I said, this is a prayer. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love and those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. So right at the start of Nehemiah's prayer, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive. You see, Nehemiah knows that God knows. Nehemiah knows that God knows that Jerusalem's been laid, to, laid waste. Um, and, and, and actually, Nehemiah comes to the point of saying, look, you, you are Lord of all. I surrender to your lordship. You are sovereign over all things. Your rule and your reign is perfect. But please hear my prayer. And, and so Nehemiah starts with praise. He starts with worship. He starts by, by, by softening his heart. He starts by just finding that fresh perspective of who God is um, and all that he's done. So let's look at another one then. So in Acts 4, uh, the early disciples. So um, in Acts 4, uh, where are we? Da, 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 da. The disciples have been preaching in the name of Jesus um, and they are arrested um, by the religious leaders 
Um, they get dragged before um, council um, and they're questioned about why they're preaching in Jesus' name. Um, and, 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 and they can't find anything to pin on them. Um, and so they basically expel them and say, look, just stop preaching about Jesus and we're good. And, uh, and, and, uh, and then they, 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 Peter and John, they leave the, um, this council uh, when they're released. Um, and the, f- <laughs> the first thing they do is they go and find the disciples uh, and they pray. Um, and uh, in, in Acts 4, uh, verses 24 uh, to 30. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city were, the, were they gathered, uh, there were they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. You see, right at the start of this prayer, and then they go on to pray for boldness. That actually they ignore the council and they say, Lord, give us boldness that we would be able to declare the word even more boldly. Um, even more fearlessly in the face of this resistance. Um, and yet right at the start of this prayer, sovereign Lord, creator, maker of the heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. You see, there's a recognition that God is completely in control. And actually that should mark where we start in prayer. And I think when we come to pray and we come with a list, um, I think it kind of, it probably says more about our understanding of our relationship with God um, than necessarily we should uh, or how we should consider um, God. I think it probably tells us that actually um, perhaps there isn't an element of our lives that is so devoted to the Lord. And perhaps that's something we need to explore. Um, it's the reason that if you come to a prayer meeting on a Tuesday morning, um, you'll find we spend the first 25, 30, 35, 40 minutes just worshipping God, just praising him, just declaring how good and faithful he is before we actually start getting to any kind of um, agenda, if you can call it that, before we actually start thinking, okay, well, what are the things that we've got? To, what are the things in the, in the life of the church that we've got to pray about? Actually, before we get to that, there is, there is, there is a, a, a decision, an active decision that says, no, we are going to declare the praises, the greatness, the wonder, the glory of God before we get to anything else. Because regardless of our situation or our circumstances, he is Lord of all. He is sovereign. He is seated high above the cherubim. And so what does that look like? What does that look like then? Because it can, it, it can take its form in, very, in lots of different ways. It can look like lots of different things. Um, in, um, in Psalm 100, uh, in Psalm 100 verse 4, if I can find it, um, David writing, he says... Um, In verse 4, he says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. 
enter his gates. So when we come to the Lord, so when we've set aside time to pray, when we come to him and we enter um, into his gates, when we enter his courts, we come with thanksgiving and we come with praise. Praise is to, is to heap uh, blessing, to, to, to speak well, to make much of um, someone or something. And when we praise God, we are making much of him. We are declaring that his name is holy, that he is beyond compare, that he is unlike any other. And so we come with praise and we come with thanksgiving. And that might look like singing. That might look like singing songs packed full of truth um, as we just declare and meditate on the goodness and the grace of God, just as we've been doing at the first part of our service together. That might look like people reading out scripture for us to meditate on. That might look like somebody just being drawn to a particular verse or a particular truth that has inspired them. But these two elements of praise and thanksgiving kind of go hand in hand. And thanksgiving is about, is, is, is about well, giving thanks, um, about being thankful, expressing the gratitude that we have in our heart before God. Uh, Ian Bounds, the, the, the writer, um, talks about thanksgiving. And he says, thanksgiving gives birth to love. What you give thanks for births in you love. And the thanksgiving that we give to God the thanks that we heap on him as we just declare his goodness, his faithfulness, his kindness to us gives birth to a love for him. And that love works itself out in devotion through worship. See, 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 it's a self-fulfilling thing. You come and you give thanks and you praise God. Love just stirs up in your heart and it just draws you closer and closer into him. And that's why it's fine to take time. It's fine to take time as we're, as we're singing songs of truth, as we praise him, just to allow our hearts to be one afresh, to be reminded of the goodness of God, to be reminded of his blessings and all that he's done for us because it draws us closer to him. Another one of the things that, that, that this might look like, particularly around Thanksgiving, um, is testimonies. Testimonies are a big deal. I think, I think I'm not quite sure whether it's that we're uncomfortable with testimonies because they often tend to be centered around our situation um, and therefore we tend to shy away from testimonies. Um, but testimonies are incredibly powerful. In fact, in Revelation, um, in Revelation 12, it says... Uh, da, 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 um, in Revelation 12, uh, verse 11, it says um, that believers defeat the enemy, uh, Satan, um, and it says they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, that's through the death of Jesus on the cross, and by the word of their testimony. So actually giving testimony, bearing witness to the work of Jesus in our lives. That's actually an act of, if you like, warfare, of victory that slays the enemy. As we give testimony of what God's done, it stirs up praise within us. I would absolutely agree, it's not right to boast in yourself. But it is completely fine to boast in the Lord and boast in what God has done. And we want to do that. We want to 
give testimony to what God's done. And that's why you hear these little things, you know, that it's a situation that I mentioned earlier. Somebody that's been struggling with something, felt it wasn't right to say something at work, and, and, and God just softened a heart, transformed the situation, and the conversation changes. It's a testimony of what God's done. It can be small like that, a conversation that happened that just turns things on its head. Or it could be significant. It could be bigger, more powerful, if you like. Somebody gets healed in the middle of a meeting. Somebody, you pray for somebody on the street, and they get completely healed and transformed. Both those things are testimonies that declare the lordship of Christ. And part of our prayer meeting should be testimonies, reminding ourselves of what God has done, reminding ourselves that he is faithful, reminding ourselves that, that he will have his way, that he is sovereign, that he is lord of all. I love that um, bit in uh, that prayer in the book of Acts, um, in Acts 4. Uh, da, 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 da. I've lost it again. Um, where the disciples gather together, and in the midst of their praying, um, they say, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take. So as we praise God, and as we lift him up, as we worship him, and we devote ourselves to him, out of that, there's an understanding, whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. God, you are completely in control. Help me get on board with your agenda. Right? We're, not, we're, not, we're not praying for God to come and help us in our situation and circumstances. We're praying for God's kingdom to come and for God's kingdom to be worked out. Now, sometimes we need grace, strength, boldness to do that. And that's when we pray for some of those things. You see, as we come and we, and we make worship or devotion a priority, the, 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 the natures of our prayers kind of change a little bit. Because we stop asking the question, well, can God do it? And we start asking the question, God, will you do this? We know God can do it. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. The question is, is this what you have planned and purposed? If so, come and do it. If not, lead us in this. Lead us through this. It's, a, it's an act of submission. We come and we submit ourselves to the plan and purposes of God. You see, the end destination for us as a church isn't better programs, isn't better um, projects, reaching more people. All of that is good stuff, is great stuff. But, But the goal has to be seeking more of God. Finding who God is and what is his plan and purpose for us. And that's the whole point of plan A. That's the whole point of setting aside two weeks and saying, do you know what, we're going to pray, we're going to seek God. Lord, would you lead us into this next year? Would you lead us into what you have for us coming up? We don't know what's going to happen this year. In fact, in the book of James, it says, if you think you do, you're foolish. That's why we need God to lead us. That's why we come to God and say, Lord, would your plan and purpose be worked out? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's lots of elements to uh, pray, to worship, to devotion. Um, but out of that place, actually, we find incredible advance, which is why the two go hand in hand. 
We often think advance is out there on the front line doing the stuff. Well, actually, it's being in the prayer room on the front line doing the stuff. Because that's where God speaks to us. That's where God leads and directs us as a body. As individuals in your workplace, that's where God speaks to us. That's where we find the advance. Then we go out and do the stuff. I'm very aware that as I'm speaking, there will be certain people in the room um, and, 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 you're, and, 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 and prayer for you um, prayer for you has led to a lot of disappointment, discouragement, maybe even bitterness towards God. Saying, Lord, I thought this was for me and it, and, and it doesn't seem to have happened. Or, or, and, and, and I just really feel, um, I really feel this is so key to understanding, if you like, the dialogue of prayer. If, we, if you will just come and worship him and nothing else, meditate on his truth and just declare who he is, then I, I genuinely believe God will bring about healing. I genuinely believe God will bring about restoration. And I believe that God will actually turn your situation around. He'll actually give you faith to face some of those things. He'll give you faith to begin praying for some of those things. But it's, it's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. Why don't, we, why don't we stand to our feet? And if you know, and, and, and just, just, just in your heart, if you know that, if you know that um, you've been wrestling with disappointment um, and, and, and you've, allowed, you've allowed it to take root in your heart, um, in Hebrews, it talks about the root of bitterness um, that has just taken uh, hold, um, and 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 it just gets it just gets all knotted up in your heart, and you can't think straight. You can't even think on who God is. Um, that's why it's so helpful often to, to 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 meditate, to read verses over and over again, to sing songs over and over again. Because what you're doing is, you're, is, 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 is even when you don't have the words, even when you can't articulate it, you just allow the truth of God to permeate your being. And you just begin to meditate on that truth and just begin to lift your head to the wonder, the grandeur of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Sovereign Lord, the one who rules, the one who created heaven and earth. And as we pray like this, it leads us to, to incredible humility as we think how great and glorious God is. And it leads us to incredible strength as he gives us incredible faith for the journey ahead, for the adventures ahead. Just like those early disciples, they weren't then silent. They prayed for boldness and they went again. <laughs> And so right at the beginning of plan A, you might turn up to a prayer meeting and think, man, what is all of this about? I thought we were supposed to be praying for X, Y, Z. We, we, we are. It's just the way we do that is we begin with worship. We begin with devotion. And then actually we find some of those things start to sort themselves out. 
God gives us insight or wisdom about certain things. Let me just, I'm going to finish with one testimony. Um, so um, about, uh, probably about six or seven years ago um, as a church, uh, we, we, we financially, we were struggling, um, struggling big time. Um, and and, and um, it was about a week before we had to pay salaries. We had about three or four people on staff. It was a week before we had salaries. Um, and we didn't even have enough in the bank for one. Um, and, and things were dire. <laughs> things were scary. Um, and we knew God had led us this far. We knew um, that God had called us to be releasing certain people for ministry and things like that. Um, and the only thing we knew what to do was to pray. Um, and so we gathered together as leaders, about five or six of us in a room, um, and we just began just by declaring God's faithfulness, by declaring who he is, by worshipping, by devoting ourselves to him afresh. Um, and the incredible thing is we walked out of that prayer meeting knowing that one, God had led us this far, and two, knowing that God would lead us on. And we still didn't have the money in the bank. And yet there was an incredible security in who, in who, God, uh, in who God was and therefore how we then engaged with the problem. Because all of a sudden it kind of, dis, it, 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 not that it wasn't a big issue, but it became less of a priority than actually acknowledging that he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he leads his people into paths of righteousness. And he goes before us and he knows. And so actually we have incredible confidence when we pray like that. And the, the, within, the week, um, within the week, we had the money in the bank. It was incredible. What, I mean, it was literally out of the blue. Just kind of, we'd been waiting on things to form. And then all of a sudden it just got unlocked in that week. And it just broke. And it was like, God, you are so faithful. So faithful to your people. I'm going to pray and then we're going to gather back to worship um, and declare how good, great and glorious our king is. And as we, as we worship, I want us to kind of um, come with this attitude uh, in Hosea. Uh, in Hosea uh, chapter 10. Because often when we come to pray, we have to do a little bit of work, um, actually just breaking up our hearts, softening our hearts to who God is again, reminding ourselves of truth. Um, and in Hosea, there's this incredible, incredible verse. Um, break up your fallow ground. Break up the hard soil of your heart. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Yeah. And this plan A, we want to break up the fallow ground. Right at the start of the year, we want to soften our hearts. Yes. We want to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Lord Jesus, we, 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 we worship you, Lord, with all that we are. Lord, we say there is none besides you. You are the sovereign Lord. You are the creator of the heavens and earth. Lord, nothing, Lord, is beyond you. Nothing is out of your sight. Lord, you don't lose track of anything. Lord, you are so good and perfect in all of your ways. And Lord, we just afresh just say, Lord, we give ourselves to you 
in worship. We give ourselves to you, Lord, that you would come and lead us and direct us, Lord, that your plan and purpose, Lord, would be, would be revealed to us, Lord, that we would walk humbly after you, obediently after you, trusting, Lord, that you have great uh, spacious places ahead of us, Lord, that you have green pastures, Lord, that you will rain down righteousness upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.